and welcome to the Brown Load. I'm George Brown. I'm Beth Brown. And today we're going to be talking about some documentaries on Netflix, uh, Meet the Patels, uh, some Academy Award nominees, and uh, Chelsea Does Some Things. <laughs> the show Chelsea Does. The show Chelsea on Does on Netflix. It's um, Okay, but first, uh, Beth, what did you watch this week? Um, I watched more of Bloodline. Okay. I'm on episode five now. Nice. All right. I just finished episode five. And I'm I'm hooked on this show. Good. I think I'm going to be finished with it by next. It's ten episodes, right? I think it's thirteen, actually. Oh. Well, I'm, I don't know. It's, I think it's more than. <laughs> well, anyways, no, it's a, it's a good show. It's a nice uh, family dynamic show, but it's also plot driven. Yeah. No. It's um they the brother is a nice little kind of a plot twist in the whole thing, and right. then, um it kind of <clears throat> takes place in Florida Keys, so that doesn't yeah. hurt. They, yeah, it's it's a cool. Uh, in the first episode, they kind of are alluding to some family dark secrets, but you're kind of slowly figuring out what they are and who the so-called bad guy is, or if there is a bad guy. I don't know in within the family. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think we talked about it very briefly last week. I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, but um, you. I think you're just one episode into it, maybe, and I said just yeah. give it two or three, and you're going to kind of turn this corner. So you've, you're starting to turn it, I bet. Yeah, the, it's, a, um, it's a good show. When you're done watching, maybe next week we'll we'll talk Bloodline. Okay. Yeah. No. No, I went to. Okay. okay. So what are you watching? Um. Let's see. In the theater, I saw Big Short. Oh um, right. How do you like it? Uh, I liked it okay. Like we talked about last week, I read the book. Right. And right. then you said you liked it, but you thought it would be funnier because Adam McKay did it. Right. Um, I I kind of went in with a little bit of low expectations, even though it's nominated for a lot of awards. Um, people I talked to are like, yeah, it's okay. Like, nobody's saying it's great. They're just saying it's good. Right. And um, so I think that would be my assessment, too. Like, not the greatest movie ever, but it's definitely good. And uh, like we discussed, um, the housing market crash in 2008, it – it's going to do a better job explaining that than anything else that's out there. Right. And I think that might be the thing people love about this movie is that it's a really important topic for the country and it kind of explains it in a way that's accessible to most people. Yeah. It's, and it's very current. I mean, it's not something that happened in the seventies. So having, um, it did a decent job of explaining, you know, what exactly happened in 2008. And it kind of makes you feel like we could be better prepared for what's going to happen again. But, um, it, like I said, not great, but, um, yeah. it was ambitious about Adam McKay to try to do something quote unquote serious. Um, and I thought he did a good job with that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I generally love his comedy movies, so well, I'm a fan of his. Yeah. Sure. I'm a fan of his too. I'm just saying this isn't a comedy comedy. Right. This is more, um, there's comedic relief in what should be a serious plot. Yeah. So, I agree. Um, it's definitely not a suspense drama, but it was, I mean, it was good. It's. I don't really feel. What like did you it. think of Steve Carell? I thought he was. I thought he was awesome. Steve Carell's, yeah, he's doing good. Since he left The Office, um, this, uh, the way way back. Uh, oh yeah. Foxcatcher. Did you see Foxcatcher? Not no. He's taking more um, roles. That's not him just being the uh, kind of dumbfounded, you know, right. comedy guy. So and he's doing I'm, a good job with it. Yeah, the first movie I saw him do, like, kind of a more dramatic role was The Way Way Back, and it was so weird. Yeah. He was playing kind of like an ass stepdad, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh. Just a real prick. He was real mean, and it was just like, that is, it's not the Steve Carell we know, but he's a good dramatic actor. I think um, uh, Foxcatcher, which is the wrestling movie um, about a, a kind of a just obscure weirdo. Uh, DuPont, I think. Yeah, DuPont. Yeah. And he he plays him, and he plays him so well. Like, very creepy and uncomfortable. I need to see that, yeah. It's good. It's, um, I think HBO Go actually has it. But, um, so, Steve Carell is no longer a quote-unquote comedian to me. Like, I'm not expecting <laughs> to laugh when I see him. Well, he'll, he'll, I'm sure he's, he'll still do some comedies. No, he still will. I'm just saying it's not like... Um, you know, like a Will Ferrell where you're just like, oh, that's not funny. Like, I just, I didn't expect Steve Carell to be funny in the movie. Right. So I wasn't disappointed the way you were. <laughs> I was, but I thought he did a good job in this dramatic role in The Big Short. Yeah, no, I thought, and I thought everybody did a good job. Christian Bale got nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor, right. and I'm kind of on the fence about that, but it's like, 
he does a good job. Everybody yeah. does plays the roles well that they need to. A lot of characters in the movie, and right. um, it's it's going to take people to stand out a little bit, so you don't get confused about this guy from this guy. And so there's enough acting in there to where you don't ever get confused. You're like, oh, who's that again? So right. um, I I felt it was kind of ambitious, and I felt like they pulled it off. I just don't know if it's the greatest, yeah. but like you know, a top five movie of the year kind of thing. I know what you mean. Um. Oh, the X-Files came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you watch that? Yes, X-Files? I did. Um, man, I was really excited about it, too. We, they, The first episode was after the NFC Championship game, the football game. Okay. Um, it was very uh, bumpy, kind of rough, and um, they did the smart move by putting the episode two the next night, and it was very back-to-basics kind of X-Files. Did you ever watch the X-Files? Uh, not really. I mean, I remember Mom and Dad loved it when we were growing up, so it was... Mm-hmm. You're familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. I remember it being on, but I don't remember Well, I mean, there's – gearing up for this, you go and look at the episode log, and there's more than 200 episodes. I think it's like 217 Yeah, episodes. I think there's so, nine seasons on there Netflix is. right now. All you know, nine seasons. Called. It's the whole series. is on Netflix. The um, – you can't – so you can't just sit there and watch 200-plus episodes to get geared up for this. So I – I watched the first two again, and then I found that everywhere on the internet there's lists of, oh, these are the episodes you have to watch. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, what X-Files did as a show was have this plot about uh, David Duchovny's character, Fox Mulder's sister, being a, what we think is abducted by aliens and trying okay. to solve that. And you'll have an episode that's fully dedicated to this conspiracy, and then the next week it might be like kind of a monster of the week kind of thing. Because they're going and investigating the backwoods right. of this werewolf kid or something like that. So it was a way to spread out the seasons. So, you know, if you you don't need to watch any of that to watch the new X Files, but um, if you would, there's no reason not to. Because if you like the old X Files, you'll like what episode two was. And everybody's saying episode three is great, which is going to be next week. Nobody's okay. it hasn't been on TV yet. But um, it's and this all, is a six episode, just six series? episodes. Okay. But the ratings have been really, really good. And so it looks like you know they're going to try to get them to. Uh, do it further. So nice. it's um, David and company left the show originally and they actually ran a season using somebody else. Okay. And then the, the show just fell apart. Oh, um, right, right. So it's like, they can't do this show without David Duchovny or Jillian Anderson. They need both of them there. Yeah. And uh, I think they're really at the mercy of that, like making sure that both of them are willing to do it. But that being said, the second episode was just, you know, the monster of the week kind of thing. It kind of did that again and you got real nostalgic and, Fell back in love with the X-Files. So that was really easy to do. Nice. Um, Hopefully when the, these six episodes are finished uh, airing, we can have our dad come on yeah, and talk about this show. I'm sure he's watching the current season. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we watched nine years of X-Files at home. So yeah. The, um, and the that's truth really is good. out there. Yeah, the truth is, I, I think that's, I still want to believe <laughs> is what it is. Oh, it's a new tagline? The truth is out there is was pretty great. Well, he had a poster that said, I want to believe, and had a little flying saucer <laughs> on it. So we have, to, we have to still want to believe. I remember in, when I was in high school, someone in my speech class gave a speech about like supernatural things happening. And then at the very end of his speech, he took a dramatic pause and then said, the truth is out there. Was he being serious? <laughs> I uh, I don't know. High school kids can be dumb. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> I just also want to point out the. Um, are you familiar with the Flash and Arrow on the CW? Um, I know it's a superhero show, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's all I know. <laughs> Very long story short, CW is you know kind of the French channel, and they had I don't know four years ago they started a show called Arrow, which is about the comic book character Green Arrow. Okay. And um, it's just no superpowers him running around in the middle of the night, you know, catching bad guys with his bow and arrow. Um, I'm <laughs> not a huge fan of the show, but then they said, let's press the bar a little bit more and make The Flash, which they started last year. Okay. And my son being, I guess, eight at the time. They, um, 22 episodes, I think, last year, which is on Netflix and then, um, or Hulu as well, the, the new episodes for season two. Uh, it's his favorite show. It's stop down television. I watch it too. It's um, real ambitious plot, and they're pulling it off, which I'm impressed with. They took French characters off of that, um, the Flash and the Arrow, and they made something called Legends of Tomorrow, okay. which is <clears throat> uh, it's almost ridiculous. 
uh, hawk girl and hawk man and uh, hawk. Yeah, not, oh, like a hawk, like a bird. like a like a bird, not the really hot. <laughs> That's not a big Hot girl coming through the um and uh, I don't know Captain Cold and uh, just all these really sci-fi-ish kind of characters that made a motley crew that's going to be traveling through time to kill some immortal bad guy and my son was just like we this is the greatest show ever Aww. so he's in love with it now too nice um so just we should probably stop down and talk to him about that at some point yeah but it's um. The CW with this is really, they didn't, you know, just say, hey, let's keep making more of these love triangle kind of things that they did on Arrow. It's like, let's get sci-fi and let's get weird and have a, let's make the Flash. And nice. have them do all the Flash things. And now let's even get more aggressive. And apparently, according to nine-year-olds, it's amazing. <laughs> well, hey. So we watched that this week, too. Nice. But, um, yeah, so that's it. You, you didn't watch anything else except the documentaries to talk about later? Um, I, yeah, I, I, the things that we're going to talk about later, Chelsea does and meet the Patels. Sure. Um, oh, I wanted to point out that Amazon prime has the first two seasons of the Americans Mm -hmm. available right now. And, um, let me see. Oh, and season three is going to be available, um, February 15th. Of the Americans, yeah. Season four is going to be on FX. I want to say in March. Okay, I haven't seen the show, but it's I I wanted to watch it and I didn't know where to watch it, so okay. Now I know I can watch on Amazon Prime. I will say that season three of the Americans. I don't know if I put it on my top ten when we did that, but um, if it wasn't on there, it was on my list and just got trimmed off because season three is the best season of the Americans so far, and season three of the Americans was one of the. 10 or 15 best shows I saw last year. It's okay. really good. It's um, Carrie Russell from right. Felicity. I know that. And um, it takes place in the 1980s, you know, kind of thick of the Cold War. And they were, uh, you know, born in Russia, raised in Russia, and then in their teens trained to be uh, spies in America. And they got, came over here with, like, uh, fake paperwork and everything. And they're, you know, quote-unquote fake married. And now they have kids and stuff, even though they're Russian spies. So mm-hmm. it's... Um, I've been I've been hearing a lot about this show. I want to give it a try. You you start watching it because you just you know you want something kind of pulpy that you can watch once a week kind of thing, and it's fun. Right. And then um, you know it starts taking a bigger turn of you know their kids are getting to the age where it's like do we tell them the truth? Do we not? And uh, you know they want to the Russian government wants to start using uh, their kids as operatives kind of thing, but the kids don't even know they just grew up in America. So it's the plot gets really good. Um, they do a good job with it. So, Sounds uh, I highly recommend the Americans, but, um, nice. of all the shows we're going to watch back seasons of better call Saul starts up what in like two weeks. Yes. The season two comes on FX on uh, yeah, I should have said that. February 15th, February 15th. So that's in a couple weeks. But season one is going to be available on Netflix starting February 1st. Basically when you hear this, um, it'll right. probably be available and that's, you didn't watch breaking bad, correct? I watched the first season of Breaking Bad with my husband. Okay. Then we stopped. <laughs> I know everybody loves this show. It was, I guess it was too stressful for us. And then I, or for him, and I wanted to watch it with him and then I never finished it. And then I just felt really behind. And I felt like really out of the loop. So I, I think I want to start fresh with Better Call Saul and just give up on watching Breaking Bad. I will I know it's a boring answer to say... Breaking Bad is the best show ever made. Like, my favorite show ever is Breaking Bad. So many and, people say that. And, I, and I'm one of those people. I thought it was an amazing show. Yeah. But um, my wife sat through about an episode and a half. And something <laughs> happens. She's like, I'm done. Like, <laughs> like, does it get more stressful than this? I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, I don't want to do it. So uh, Bob Odenkirk plays a, kind of a you know, tacky ambulance chasing lawyer in that show. Right. And a lot of times he's the comic relief. Um, Saul Goodman is his name. So when Breaking Bad ended, they started Better Call Saul, which is a prequel to all of Breaking Bad, but it's just about him uh, being a lawyer. Right. And uh, it starts, it starts in an odd way because he's a really good hearted, working hard for these small people that, you know, want need a lawyer for this. And um, it's very, it's, it's, it's very entertaining. My wife loved the first season. Okay. Even though she didn't like Breaking Bad, I'm gonna try Better Call Saul. Yes. I think I think I will like it, and 
I, I don't want to be left out anymore from the cult phenomenon that I, is Breaking Bad. I read the episode recaps and tried to figure out, because I remember watching it saying, you don't even need to watch Breaking Bad to like this show, because it doesn't try to tie in. Right. But um, I will say the first, uh, less than five minutes of the very first episode might be confusing. Okay. Because it kind of shows Fair what enough. happens to him at the end of Breaking Bad um, in black and white, and then it goes back to the before times. But then after that, you never have to think about Breaking Bad again. Okay. Fair but enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try Better Call Saul. Breaking Bad's on Netflix, too. So if you're just <laughs> dying for a good show, you might as well watch the best show ever made. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Also, on February 10th, a movie called Dope yes. is going to be available on Netflix. I watched Dope over the summer. It's a. It came out in theaters... 2015. So it was, um, it's a very recent movie. It was one of those where I thought with the Golden Globes and the Oscars, it might get something in there kind of wiggling around, but it's cause it's more of a comedy. I thought maybe it would go in, but, uh, when we looked at all the stuff that comes on Netflix in February, Better Call Saul obviously kind of popped out to me a little bit, but then Dope did too. So Dope yes. will probably end up being the best movie of all the, this new batch that gets uploaded on there. Nice. Um, I recommend everybody just see the trailer and if you and know that it's a really good movie. And um, so if you even feel like it's going to be for you, then you'll like the whole thing. Sounds good. All right, Beth. Uh, last week we kind of looked at the calendar ahead for Netflix. Right. Um, for 2016. And you thought it was only fair we do that for Amazon too, which is yeah. probably a good idea. Um. The it should be pointed out Sundance is going on right now, okay. and there's only two buyers, and that's Netflix and Amazon, and they're outbidding each other and they're buying up everything. I, so yeah, I noticed that. 2017 is probably going to be bigger streaming show wise than 2016, and it's kind of surreal because if you think about everything, Netflix and Amazon, Amazon's yeah. a little bit behind, but they're catching up. Well, and they're putting out some good shows. They are. And a couple of their originals have won Emmys and Golden Globes. I say behind. I mean behind in uh, quantity. Right. I don't exactly. necessarily mean quality. But it's um, it looks like Amazon's going to definitely try to start catching up. Yeah. And it, um, so you looked at the calendar ahead, and then I uh, watched some pilots and or some uh, trailers. And, yeah. Uh, so what are you most excited about? Well, or do you want to go chronologically? I guess let's talk about some things that are already out on Amazon. Yeah, that's a good idea. So one, Mozart in the Jungle season two is available now right. to stream. Um, I watched the first season of Mozart in the Jungle, and I really like this show. Um, I know oh. you watched a few episodes at least. I watched one. Oh, okay. Uh, no, in about twenty minutes of the second one. Um, it's not, it's just, I mean, it's not, it's not that it's a bad show because it right. is definitely a good show. It's, I don't care about that. <laughs> no, and that's fine. It's about, it's kind of a behind the scenes look at the New York Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of, I don't know. There's some eccentric characters, uh, Bernadette Peters is in mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a very New York show, which I enjoy. Um, and it's, I don't know. Have you ever been like in a band or an orchestra? You kind of see. And I never have. So okay. I, I played recorder <laughs> in fifth grade and that's the extent of it. I think I was 12th chair recorder. The, um, and I'm obviously in the minority about what the show is because everybody loves it. A lot, it's, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a popular show. Uh, the guy's playing Hansel in there. The Han, the Zoolander equivalent. What's his name? <laughs> he won a golden globe for best. Right. Just this past year. I don't want to mispronounce his name, but yes, he just won. Uh, Hansel, then. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but he... So the show, the show is obviously doing well. That and uh, Transparent. Which, oh, Transparent Season 2 is out as well. Right. So those are... I would say those are probably the two cornerstones of Amazon streaming content at the moment. Yeah, I agree. The moment. The Transparent Season 1 was good. Um... Obviously, it's about Jeffrey Tambor's character is transitioning um, from being a man to being a woman. Right. Um, And that's what the show is about. But it also shows the inner workings of a family um, with adult siblings. And it's kind of a sweet show in that way. Just showing, like, how the siblings interact and how they interact with their adult parents. And they have their stepfather is sick and going I don't know it's just it really is a sweet show um that I I like I'm gonna watch the second season it's out now so you think about 
what it was before the show came out, uh, transparent. And then it's like, you're like, there's no way they make a show like that, especially on TV. Right. So, and it's, it's a good show. It's, they're doing a good job with right. that as far as that not being just a side story in the whole thing. Like that's what right. the story ultimately is about. I, um, I find that none of the characters are very likable. I don't think they're supposed to be <laughs> like, especially the children, but it's, so it's like, it's kind of hard for me to fight through, but have you well, watched season two? I haven't. Okay. Have you watched season two? Okay. No, I haven't. I, I can see how some of the, the adult children come off as maybe a little immature or, and I see how you're saying like not likable, but I don't know. Sometimes when adults are going through things, like their parent is transitioning, like they, you, you know, people can revert back to, you know. Just, no, I, I don't want to. Uh, demean what it's trying to put out and I definitely I'm a novice when it comes to this This you know this comes from a real place so it's not fair for me to be critical about how these side characters are I'm just saying to me like I'm not I don't know it's a good show it definitely is I just wish it feels to me that and I've I've only seen so much that Jeffrey Tambor is the only character I care about on the show okay if that makes sense but um but uh, you know, that show does really well and that's, yeah. you know, getting all the awards and everything else and, uh, you know, kind of beating out, I think that, that going forward, anytime Amazon wins an award, Netflix is going to feel it. Like they're going to feel their pride hurt a little bit and going forward, any award Netflix gets, Amazon's going to feel it. Sure. I well, feel, I mean, they're definitely competing against each other. Yeah. And it's weird to see HBO kind of fall third in this little race. If Amazon can pass HBO when it comes to this kind of thing. We'll see. Uh, we will. Because I, I think HBO is still putting out. No, HBO is still putting out great shows. Great shows. I'm just saying um, there was a time not too long ago, five years ago, I'd say that HBO was winning everything, uh, right. winning all the Emmys, and Network was so far behind. And then Netflix right. Netflix came in like a steamroller and then passed HBO, which was just kind of weird and unheard of. And it's um, with television content, at least. Right. And the... Um, you know, for Amazon to be like, we're not going to get left behind and be so aggressive with what they're buying up. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Is and, and Hulu's coming coming up there, too. Hulu's trying. Yeah. And no, Hulu's got some good stuff. There's a little Hulu. <laughs> a little Hulu. Well, could. I mean, they're, they're just kind of... Um, what does Hulu have? They have Casual. That's the only thing I can think about. That was nominated for a Golden Globe. It was. That's true. Um, they have... Difficult People, which I love. Oh, yeah, it does have Difficult People. I was just trying to think of Hulu exclusive yeah. content. They have the Mindy Project now is Hulu. Oh, that's true. Um, they, is that still on? Like, are they still making new seasons, or do they just make the one for Hulu? Um, I, they made season four was for Hulu. Right. And I don't know if they're going to do more, but anyways. Okay. Hulu's, so they, Hulu's coming up. They have their three there. shows. You're right. Anyways, I'm sorry. Okay, so... Oh, also out now on Amazon is Man in the High Castle. Yeah. You which, didn't watch it, I bet. I, I've seen the first episode. What'd you think? Just out of curiosity. Um, I watched the whole season. So. Okay. Well, I, I liked it. I think I might... I probably watched the rest of it. Um, it's interesting. I love any show that's based in New York, especially period dramas. No, I do. I know. I, I like... Um, I like New you York love shows. New York so much. You will take <laughs> Nazi occupied New York. Well, you should explain a little bit about yeah. What so show it's about. long story short. The ba- the basic premise of the show is if what if we lost World War Two? Right. And what happens is is that uh, Germany takes over kind of the eastern side of the country, and then Japan takes over the western side, and they uh, instill their culture and uh, their government and everything else. And the and so the show shows what life would be like if that were to happen. Um, it's based on a book that Philip K. Dick wrote. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of people will watch the show just solely based on that. Right. Uh, he wrote Blade Runner, which it's, you know, sci-fi okay. guy in the sixties. Yeah. The, um, so the show kind of takes off from there. I don't want to give away too much, but it's, there's a lot of, uh, espionage going on and then people, you know, trying right. to fight back to win America over again. But it's the majority of the show and the premise of it is, you know, what would it be like if we were under Nazi rule or. What would it be like if San Francisco was dealing with Japan and then... Uh, right. I think it's an interesting premise. 
Uh, in the show, I don't know if he got that far, but Hitler's up there in age, and they don't know if he's doing that well. And then Ooh. Japan's thinking, we need to make a move, because Hitler's the only thing keeping the Nazi party going. Okay. Uh, much like I think people would feel about Castro um, in Cuba. So it's there is some interest in there. I watched the whole season. Okay. Um, I So that should be credit enough, because I'm willing to give up on a show. But um, it's it's not going to... It doesn't ramp up. Like, it starts hard, and it just stays at that level. Okay, fair if enough. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then we were talking about Catastrophe, which, when we talk about... Catastrophe is another show that, here in the U.S., we get it from Amazon. Right. It's a, it's a U.K. show that comes on Channel 4 there. Um, and it's a comedy... It is a it's it's <laughs> it's it's a really funny show actually I love this show. Casual catastrophe, difficult people. We've talked about this before. You know this girl guy kind of buddy comedy thing where they're both doing their own type of comedy. This is my favorite one. Like it's I like this one a lot. The funniest one. Some oh. of those other ones are light humor, <clears throat> which I also enjoy sometimes. But this is like laugh out loud. You're the worst would be another one on that list. I yeah, guess. I would I'm trying say to you're just... the worst is kind of like a light humor show. Yeah, it gets heavy season two, but yeah, no, you're right. It's um, but I I like that kind of show, but this catastrophe is more of a laugh out loud to me. What's the difference between light humor and laugh out loud? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes shows are like gently funny, and sometimes shows are like there to make you laugh. I feel catastrophe is gently funny. It just happens to have a pregnancy in the mix. Okay, like that. I mean, I'm not trying to be argumentative. I'm just saying. Anyway, I think all those shows are kind of the same. Okay. Well, Although, in fairness, difficult people only focuses on the comedy. It doesn't really delve into the <laughs> plot that much. But I love difficult people. I, I know, and I'm not okay, knocking anyway. difficult people. So, catastrophe season two is out right now in the UK. Season one is on Amazon right now. Right. Season and season one was in the UK first, and then it came on Amazon. And season- it came. It came to Amazon exactly six months later. Okay. So, if we follow that pattern, we will be getting season two on Amazon. In April. Right. Because it came out in October. Because season two did, for a fact, come in October in the UK. Right. And Amazon does, in fact, own the rights to season two. Exactly. So it will come here. It, but, and I'm just saying it probably will come in no, April. No, no, no. I'm just... But... And I'm excited because I love that show. I'm just separating fact from speculation. <laughs> I like the show, too. And when it comes on, I'll... That first week, I'll end up watching yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's a... It, I mean, I haven't had kids yet, but it's... I think it's fun to... To watch what a couple's going through during, like, a pregnancy, especially an unexpected one. In in an unexpected country, because it takes place in the UK, and he's an American. Right. And and he lives in America, and they have to figure out those kinds of things. It's like a one-night stand. Right. And so, season two, I watched the trailer, is like, they have the kid. Right. So, I can see how that's just going to be a whole new world of funny situations, and... They did so well with the first season. I think they'll probably do well with the second season. And one thing British shows do, so I guess in turn Amazon's doing that, you know, Netflix can sometimes be found guilty of is not stretching it out too much, just keeping it a nice tight, short little episode package. And so you feel like they're not going to draw out a lot of things. So it's like, I feel very comfortable with uh, season two of Catastrophe being good. Yeah. The reviews have been good. Um, You know, just people who've seen it in, in the UK. Sure. So we'll be looking for that, hopefully in April. Yeah. And, um, okay, another show that's coming to Amazon this year is called Sneaky Pete. Right. Um, it was one of those, they put out the pilot. Amazon does a thing where they put out a lot of pilots for everyone to watch. Is it called Pilot Season? Yeah, they, I, they I think do. That's what they, they call it, call it Amazon yeah. Pilot Season. And, um, and I've watched several, and some of them turn into uh, a series. Right. Some of them get picked up for a whole season and some don't. It was Amazon's way of just drumming up interest and seeing yeah. which ones are going to be good and which ones aren't. Which and I think is genius. And I, I love being yeah. able to be part of the process of what gets picked up. Yeah. I, I hate watching any show I know is going to be canceled at some point. I don't want to watch it at exactly. all. So yeah. watching just the pilot of a show, if I like it, and then knowing it's never going to get made, is just, I don't like it. So. I can see how that's the downside. But anyway, Sneaky Pete has been picked up for a, a full season. Mm-hmm. This is a show, um, Giovanni Rubisi is the lead, and he plays a, a con man who's just getting out of prison. Right. Um, Brian Cranston is one of the executive producers on the show, and he's actually in the 
the pilot, Brian Cranston is. Okay. I don't know how big of a role he's playing in the whole first season. You watched the pilot. I watched part of the pilot. Okay. So I don't really... Anyways, but the whole season's coming out in August. Yes. I think people are excited about this show. It um it looked good. It's it's a nice premise of uh, Giovanni Ribisi's character trying to con a family who the mom is character actor Margaret Martindale. And, uh, <laughs> I think it's his mom. Isn't it? Yes, but... Okay, anyways. Anyway, the um, that looks good. We have to wait about six, seven, eight months before yeah. we can watch it. The, um, but you can watch the pilot on Amazon now. Yeah, okay. So if you like watching pilots and then waiting for six months for the rest of the show. I don't know if I'm doing that as much as watching the pilot and then knowing it's never going to get made. Right. So, so this, you know it's going to come. Um, the other one is Mad Dogs, which just very recently came out right. as a full season. Yeah, the full season's available now. Right. I watched the pilot. I haven't watched any more than that. And um, it's. I think it's a show I'm really going to like and a show that you're probably not going to care about. Okay. So I watched the just the trailer of Mad Dog. Yeah. And it looks like a bro show. Okay. Bro show is what I meant <laughs> to say. It, it, the premise is a group of guys in their 40s go on a, a bro trip. Right? Right. That's the beginning. And it does um, have some people I like in this show, which makes me kind of want to watch it. Um, I love Michael Imperioli from Sopranos. He's in the show. Um, who else is? I'm uh, curious to see how much depth they can delve into in a season. So, but I'll end up watching it because I don't have a problem with road trips. <laughs> I don't either. Just I don't know if I'm the target audience. You're definitely not. But well, anyway. <clears throat> But I don't know if I'm the target audience for Mozart in the Jungle. Yeah, probably. So. Fair enough. <coughs> the, another thing coming to Amazon sometime in 2016 is a Woody Allen untitled project. Yes. <laughs> Which this whole project has kind of been in the press for a while, and it's kind of a mystery of what it's going to turn into. I'm not going to say controversial because he's still making movies. Right. And actually movies that people really like a lot. Right. Like, um, is it called Blue Jasmine? Blue Jasmine. I love that movie. And she was not, she won an Academy Award, if I'm not mistaken. Kate Winchett. I think so. I know she won some awards for but, that. But, um, so he's... And she was really good and I love that movie, even though Woody Allen is so weird. Um... Both these things are true. Woody Allen's in this show is what we think is going to happen. Right. No, he signed on to do a six-episode um, show. He is writing and directing it or has written it and is going to direct it, and he's going to also star in it. So it's a full Woody Allen project. Well, he's not just going to star in it, Beth. <laughs> what makes Woody Allen so controversial, which just Google him. I don't need to explain it. Right. But what's going to make the show so fascinating is this week that not only will he be on the show, but Miley Cyrus is going to be on the show as well, which right. he signed on to there. So it was announced this week that Miley Cyrus signed on to this Woody Allen project. Yeah. Um, Elaine May, another actress, has also signed on. Um, and honestly, my first thought was, I really hope it's not a love story between Woody Allen and Miley Cyrus. Cause I don't know if I can handle it. You said that to me <laughs> and I texted so and I texted back to you. There's no way they would do that because it's, and then you said, I don't know. And then I thought, wow, what if he has so much reign over Amazon with this deal that he turns this into a Miley Cyrus, Woody Allen love story. That would be so uncomfortable. It's not just, it's beyond uncomfortable. <laughs> It's like so. It's wh- like Bill Cosby filming a oh after school movie about date rape. Okay, like it's that, but that's what it is. The thing right. that makes them so controversial, they're going to make the plot. I wasn't buying into it, but now I'm so, fascinated. Well, it's all shrouded in mystery because we don't know the name of the show. Right. We don't really know what's happening. We're just getting these little pieces of information, like Miley Cyrus signed on. So. And who knows? Maybe Miley Cyrus only plays twenty seconds in the show, yeah, and they signed know. her. So. You know, we would talk about people it. like us would just sit here and talk about it. They're like, you know, what would be fun. Let's have. <laughs> it's like, what if we find out next week Selena Gomez signs on, right? And then just like, what if they just, you know, I don't know. And so we'll see. We'll keep our eyes on that and and see what comes of that. And I don't know. I I look through the Amazon list of things that come up, and that doesn't mean that there's nothing good. It's just that's what looks good to me. 
Sneaky Pete. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were going to say the Woody Allen No, project. just the stuff that sticks <laughs> right, out. Right, the things that we just... There's, there's other things on Amazon, um, but those are the, yeah, the ones we're talking about today. Those are the ones we're talking about today? <laughs> okay. All right. So, Beth, when we were talking about what we're going to do this week, um, I noticed that three of the five documentaries for Best Academy Award Documentary Feature was on Netflix. And uh, we're going to try to watch a couple of those, but then you saw Meet the Patels was on there. And right. then you insisted that I watch that before <laughs> I watch the other one. So, right. well, so I did. You you saw it over the summer, like in the theater, right? Yeah. Okay. It, I, it shows on IMDb that it came out in 2014, but I don't think we got it in Dallas until like the summer. Maybe it was a, just a small release. Yeah. And then, but anyways, uh, I, saw, I saw it in the theater and I loved it. Has it to be, has to come out in 2015, though, because it's not... Oh, and it's not nominated. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, anyways, this is like... Uh, it's described as a real-life uh, romantic comedy. I would describe it as an Indian-American man who is about to turn 30, gets help from his parents and extended family to start looking for a <laughs> wife in the traditional Indian way. But you can describe it how you want to describe it. Anyways, I saw this in the theater with a friend of mine, and I loved it. Yeah? And I, I told you about it right after I saw it, and then I noticed it was on Netflix this past week, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, we, we can all watch it now. Yeah, and uh, my wife and I watched it. It's um, he's a you'll see him occasionally on TV shows and everything. Yeah, Ravi Patel. Ravi Patel. He um he's on a couple episodes of Master of None. He is on Master of None. Um, he's on Grandfathered, that John Stamos. Okay. Sitcom. Um, and he's you'll see him on other things. Long story short, though, he. It's, um, you know, he uh, is looking, he just broke up with his girlfriend, an American girlfriend. Right. Um, and he's uh, 30 and his parents who live in India now, um, are pressuring to get married. No, his parents live in the U.S. They're from India. Right. I thought they moved back here and then they moved back out there. No, no, no. They all went on a trip to India. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought, I felt like I, yeah, that's no, no, fine. No, they live in, um, but Ravi makes this documentary with his sister, right. which is his only sibling. And it, a lot of the documentary is the family dynamic mm-hmm. between their parents that came from India, Ravi and his sister who were raised here in the U.S. And they're kind of, you know, straddling the line between the two, two cultures. Um but it's really sweet. Like I love seeing like the inner workings of this family and how they they argue but they love each other and I don't know. Right. I think it's really sweet to see his parents and um his sister and just you see a lot of like intimate family moments and it's really funny. Right. Well this document okay, so this documentary is not trying to tackle and address any social issue. It's not trying to fix anything. It's a, it's a very lighthearted one. It is, it's, yeah. Um, and like you said, his sister's the one filming it. It's not a film crew that's following him around everywhere. So you feel like you get a lot of kind of intimate scenes with the family that you're right. not going to get in a more, I guess, a closer to a formal setting with something like that. Right. So it does, it does come off very organic. Um, and uh, so it, it kind of, you know, you have a clear glimpse of what it's like. Um, you also get a, a glimpse into this Indian American culture right. that – like we're not, we don't know that much about that culture. Like we both have Indian friends, but you're kind of getting a more intimate view into what it's like to be an Indian American. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. And not just the Indian American, but they're so, um, his parents are so, uh, steadfast in making sure that he marries a Patel, someone with the last name Patel. And they kind of go into the background about that, about how, what that means to be a Patel and Patel's having to marry Patel's and, uh, Which I didn't know anything about. But he, the way the documentary is, and especially the way that the main character is, is he's not being um, dismissive of that, but he is being lighthearted about it. He's being right. dismissive about certain things his parents do, but in a lighthearted, kind of a loving, joking way of, hey, this is not what we're going to do or right. whatever. But it's, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, my wife enjoyed it a lot more than I did. I mean, I don't, okay. I have no problems with it. It wasn't, right. I, I don't have anything negative to say about it because I feel like if you were to say, Oh, you know, it'd be nicer if they had this or they did this, or you didn't see the microphone in half these scenes, then it kind of takes away from, I guess the charm of it. 
So yeah. for what it is, it's actually a really good documentary. And it does give you kind of an inside look as far as, I mean, he tried something different. Like right. he was 30 and he had been kind of, he, he admitted he'd never had a girlfriend or anything. And then he had the redhead, you know, pure American girl. And then when they broke up, he was kind of, yeah, let's give it a shot. Like let's right. give it the full effort that my parents want me to do. And the, the kind of, uh, you know, just something that's so uh, distant and you, it doesn't make sense. It's surreal <laughs> to an American to see, to have that be what, you know, how you would find uh, Right. Your wife it or goes your into um, different ways, like that their pa- parents really want to be involved in finding him right. this perfect match. Um, yeah, no, and it seems really like every good. wedding and every chance that, <laughs> you know, families are getting together, that's all the parents are, of single children are doing right. is networking with other parents to try to link up to and, you know, try to do that. Um, so, I yeah, I enjoyed it because I don't feel like it did some sort of, hey, let's address this thing and let's show right. the very... cultural impact of it. It's just like one guy is showing his unique perspective on it and uh, his sister who obviously has the same perspective and uh, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, it's a it's a cute movie. So Meet the Patels is the thing you told me I had to watch, and then um, the other one that's not Oscar nominated was Chelsea Handler's new show. <laughs> uh, Chelsea does. Chelsea does. Uh, I came out this past week on Netflix, right? And it's a four episode docu series. I think it's being built, but yeah. anyways, it's four episodes, and each episode she tackles. A different topic. Right. <laughs> and it's marriage, Silicon Valley, uh, racism, racism and drugs. And, drugs. Right. and I told you I watched all of them, but then I realized last night I did not watch all of the racism episode. Oh. Because I couldn't, I couldn't do you it. You couldn't handle couldn't. what she was doing? Right. But I liked the rest of them. And I like this, I like Chelsea Handler. Um, I think she's funny. If you don't like Chelsea Handler, you will not like this. Series. Like no one's mind is going to be changed about her so because of this series. Chelsea lately was you watched every episode. Yeah, no, I, I used then, to watch it every night. Uh, she's written books, and you wrote, and you probably read them. And those are good. Okay. Yeah, the, and um, I actually even know people who like her books, but they don't like. Her. Don't like her. They don't like her show. So That's interesting. she just rubs some people the wrong way. Um, but I think I think she's really funny. I get that she can be negative sometimes. She can kind of be rude sometimes. But she's. I think she's just always kind of being herself. And I think that's. I don't know. Maybe that's one of the things I like about her. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's impossible to run a nightly show and not kind of quote unquote be yourself and have yeah. your true self show out on there. I didn't watch Chelsea lately, and it's not like I hated Chelsea Handler. I just yeah. it's not something I watched. I did have a lot of respect for her when Jimmy Kimmel ended up getting the job, and then when they were trying to figure out who was going to take that job, they interviewed, they were going to vet her, and she was like, "This won't work on network television." Like, yeah, she didn't want to jump. Was it E that it was on? Right. She, yeah, she was on. She e. didn't want to leave E to go do that, and then it'd be done in six months. Like she right. kind of had the foresight to know that her style of comedy wasn't going to work for such a broader audience. So yeah. made me, I guess, more accepting of her for not, for realizing like, Hey, I'm not for everyone, I guess. Right. But, um, and it, I think one of the things she's has said in interviews is that she kind of like, I guess on E, they really wanted her to talk about celebrities and pop culture and just different things that were happening in the, in the gossip columns. Mm-hmm. And she just, didn't care and she didn't want to talk about those things which is what he is right that, that's yeah. what he is so it kind of made sense but so i guess she also wanted to t- tackle some more serious issues which i'm a little bit i wonder how that will go well <laughs> you've invested four hours into how it will go okay so the first episode chelsea does marriage i loved this episode okay. um she really goes into because she's 40 years old now Mm -hmm. she talks about how she's not married and hasn't been married um she does like a short panel with her dad and some of her siblings which i liked that part and her dad's kind of a difficult person he's also old and i think he's um maybe 
going through a little bit of dementia. So I don't know. But one of the things they talk about is he said one time when they were growing up, he said something like, Chelsea's not the girl you marry, <laughs> which is kind of sad for your own father to say that. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to kind of look at, you know, she, it seems like she's really trying to tackle, like, where did this come from? Like, why am I not married? Um, they also bring in her first boyfriend, which is a, a man that I didn't know about. And they actually have a sit down. Okay. Which is interesting to me. And they talk about, you know, maybe why their relationship didn't work. It's however many years ago and blah, blah, blah. And so, and there's also like some touching moments. Like she officiates a wedding in Vegas. Just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I guess. Anyways, this isn't for everyone. So I like that episode. The drugs episode, she actually goes to Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, with a couple of friends, and they do ayahuasca, which is like this hallucinogenic drug uh, that I had heard of. And I guess you have to go to Peru to do it, and you have to have a, someone guide you through the experience. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> so you got to see Chelsea Handler's hallucinations, or did you just get to see Chelsea Handler on drugs? You got to see her crying and throwing up on a mat. Sounds in awesome. Peru. So um, it reminded me of, remember in Mad Men when Roger does, he, he's going to do LSD right. with his wife, girlfriend? I think it was a girlfriend at the time. I don't remember. Anyways, and it was like this whole experience in the 60s. It kind of reminded me of that, like this, let's go do this grand drug experience. Um, I probably am not the kind of person that would ever want to do that but after watching this I definitely would not go to Peru to do ayahuasca anyway the the racism episode I think where I turned it off was she was interviewing a family of a man who was shot by police right and it was just really sad and really kind of like why is Chelsea Handler interviewing them yeah, and I couldn't do it, and I turned it back on last night. I was like, oh, I didn't watch the end of this, and I couldn't watch and it you again. you remembered why. <laughs> yeah. Um, did so, you watch Super Size Me? Yeah, a long time ago. I mean, it was a long time out. ago. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Spurlock, uh, pretty healthy guy. Um, his uh, It was his girlfriend at the time, then his wife, now his ex-wife, uh, was a vegan, <laughs> and yeah. um, he was going to eat uh, McDonald's three meals a day. For, for 30, 30 days. days, yeah. And he was going to eat everything on the menu. And if they asked if he wanted to supersize, he was going to. And right. he was doing terrible things to his body. But uh, Morgan Spurlock is a funny guy, like a lighthearted kind yeah. of funny guy. And he took it in stride. And he really did get his point across with that. You know right. what I mean? Um, then he had a show called 30 Days on FX where he was going to do different things for 30 days. And it wasn't as good because at the same time, you're like, ah, you're not really qualified to address this problem. Fair now he's on the show where he's like a zookeeper for 30 days, but he's also going to lecture you a little bit passively <laughs> about, you know, encaging animals and, um, huh. you know, go work at the dump. And so it's, he's doing that now. He is doing that right now. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's on CNN, but my point was, is that not that he was doing comedy or being a comedian. It's just that he's that type of personality. And yeah. it's not that it's off putting. It's just, it's not, you feel like you're disrespect. In my opinion, you feel like you're disrespecting what racism is when Chelsea Handler is going to be the one sitting down to address racism. But that's I didn't watch the episode, so right. that's me. I asked you which one was the best, and I was going to sit through one. You said it was Marriage, which I cringed at because that was like <laughs> the most boring of the four, in my opinion. Um, so I didn't watch it. And uh, giving your opinion about it, I'm probably not going to watch it. I think the the bottom line is, it. I think people will know whether or not they're going to like this. Like you know, you know who you are if you like Chelsea Handler. Yeah, they give it. You know. Okay, so you give it a limp thumbs up. <laughs> I really did like the first, and I really do like her. She's coming out with a talk show on Netflix. And that'll be. I'm good. excited That's what for she's that. Supposed to be doing. I'll, you know. Isn't that what she's best at when it comes yeah. to this? I mean, I think she's trying to go a different direction with it than her e-show. So that's, I don't know. We'll see. 
I guess we'll see. I mean, I'll definitely watch it and I'll see if I like it. We talked about this before with Aziz Ansari and everything else where it comes to they sign a deal with, say, Netflix and then they, you know, they're getting a lot more lead way. And it was a home run with him. Um, and maybe it wasn't necessarily a home run for Chelsea Handler, but that doesn't mean... Or maybe it was. Like, I mean, maybe she, this is exactly what she wanted to do and maybe... No, but that's what I'm saying. The maybe that who are meant for her. To, yeah, maybe her target audience loves it. But I actually did like it. I think she's funny. But it's not taking up a time slot exactly. away from something else. Exactly. So it is not for everyone, like you said. And uh, if you're in love with Chelsea Handler, you're, you might like it more than someone who is uh, indifferent about Chelsea Handler. Definitely. Okay, Beth. Um, so there's five documentaries nominated for Academy Awards this year. Right. Three of those are actually on Netflix. And actually, one of the ones that's not on Netflix, you actually watched. The Amy right. Winehouse documentary? Amy, yeah. Amy. And how was that? Um, It was really good. Um, I just watched it this week. And, I mean, Amy Winehouse kind of became popular in the U.S. At, when I was in college. Right. So it was right around the time when, I guess, music was really important to me. I mean, it still is, but um, she has a really powerful voice. Her, her, I mean, it was very sad. Obviously, I mean, she died at 27. Um, but the documentary does a really good job of showing um, what she was like before she became famous, which is, that's kind of the part of, her story that I didn't know. Right. They had extensive video footage of her just hanging out with her friends at home or just different casual okay. moments. Yeah. So I felt like it was a lot more of just actual video of her showing who she is and less of just like interviews with people who knew her, which is what typically like a lot of documentaries are like that. Especially when the person about the documentary is passed. Right. Right. So... I don't know. I mean, and it, it really has stuck with me. I know it's only been a couple of days, but it's a really, I mean, it's just sad. Yeah. Her story is sad. Um, she was an amazing talent and I don't know. It was, it was a great documentary. I get to see it. It's, um, you rented it, right? Yeah. On Amazon, yeah. like a digital rent. The, um, my guess is that it's eventually we'll, get out on Netflix or, sure. or one of the most documentaries, streaming. especially the higher quality ones end up filtering out to somebody yeah. like that for free. The, um, yeah, that's, it seems like I saw that on a lot of people's top 10 lists for movies this year, not just documentaries, but right. movies. So it's like, it feels like that's the one I should be seeing. Um, yeah. It wasn't free to me, so I didn't watch it this week. <laughs> yeah. So, but you, you're giving it a thumbs up then. You enjoyed it. It was really good. It was really, it was sad. Of course, everyone knows it's probably going to be sad because she, you know, died tragically. Um, but yeah, it was really good though. We, um, speaking of tragic documentaries, um, there, okay. So there's five total. There's Amy, which you just talked about. There's, uh, uh, the look of silence, which neither one of us has seen. Um, then there's, uh, Cartel Land, which is on Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, What Happened Miss Simone, which is on Netflix, and then Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom, which is also on Netflix. So that's three of them. I watched, uh, Cartel Land. Um, you didn't, correct? Right. Okay. What, uh, what is, I mean, I can guess, it's about drug cartels? It's about the drug, drug cartels coming through Mexico. Okay. Um, the beginning of the documentary kind of addresses, you know, it shows some, uh, American militia in Arizona, like watching the border for the cartels coming through. Right. Um, and then it also shows uh, the southern regions of Mexico and what they're dealing with, with the cartels and how they're just, you know, killing people, uh, men, women, children, they don't care. Like the massacres that are occurring right. in Mexico. Yeah. And um, it's the, so the documentary starts just kind of showing a broad base, but then shows a, a doctor and a group of a militia in Mexico that are fighting back. And they actually start clearing this town of cartels. And then uh, they end up going, I want to say 17 deep of um, territories and villages that they're actually just walking in, telling the cartel, anybody who's staying to fight is going to die and anybody who leaves is going to leave. And then, um, but then, and everybody loves them, the auto defenses. And, but they start getting too big and they start raiding houses when they go through and they, it looks like they start, uh, 
killing people they think are in the cartel but might actually not be. So it Yikes. starts to blur the line pretty heavily. And I think just by showing, by doing it that end, it's very um, uh, unflinching and graphic. Like what you sure. see is what's actually happening. Yeah. And it's, um, you get a lot of that and you get a lot of, um, you know, the tenseness that comes with, uh, children crying because what's going on with their parents, you know, right there. Yeah. Uh, it's for that to be so close to us. It's very, uh, you know, it was the same thing. It, it kind of stuck with me. Um, kind of the other side of Chelsea does drugs. Yeah, Chelsea Handler, <laughs> Chelsea Handler wasn't there to uh, to address this problem with anybody. The um, I yeah I you know Al Qaeda ended up being formed as a group that was trying to stop people from shaking down villages right. and causing illegal toll roads and everything else. And you you get a little bit of a vibe. Um, of this group being the same kind of thing. Like everybody loves them, but it's like um, the government has to now start fighting these vigilantes that everybody loves, but people right. like the government's corrupt. And so it does, it doesn't leave you walking away with this black and white. Oh, this is bad. This is good. It shows right. a, a, not a big problem, a complicated problem sure. that would need to be fixed. And so I kind of, I enjoyed it for that. It's, um, it's, it's heartbreaking in a way. Like there's a lot of just, Things yeah. that you see that you don't want to see, but um, like you feel like you kind of need to. So I don't know. I think you'd probably hate it, but you know, so, <laughs> but you, so you, you like documentaries. And you I do. A lot. So I'd say if it wins best documentary, then you you should probably be more inclined. But um, the so it is nominated. Sure. Um, the other two we didn't see, but we both did see the Nina Simone one. Is it called What's Wrong, Miss Simone? What happened? What happened, Miss Simone? Miss Simone? And I think it actually got the title from an article that Maya Angelou wrote right. about Nina Simone like a long time ago. Yeah. And it's, um, <laughs> so that's where the title comes from. And that's, you brought bring up Amy Winehouse and how heartbreaking that is. And she had a kind of an impact on you musically because it happened in college. And um, what I was saying is Nina Simone is, she's like a top five artist for me. Mm-hmm. I I love every single any song I can find, uh, there's a lot of live performances out there and she does live performances a little bit different than the actual recordings of the song. So it's like right. kind of a feeding frenzy to find those. Obviously 2016 is very easy to do, sure. but, uh, late nineties, it wasn't when I was really, really into this, uh, read a lot of stuff and everything. And I thought this documentary did a really good job of, uh, saying who she was. And then, oh, I don't want to say demise, but basically how, you know, professionally things kind of unraveled and why it did on a more personal level. Sure. What do you think of it? Well, I mean, I learned a lot about her that I didn't know about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, ha- she has an incredible life story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think any documentary about her life story is going to be moving. Yeah. Um, just from her childhood, uh, through the civil rights movement where she you know, one of her, a couple of her songs, um, Strange Fruit mm-hmm. and what is it? Mississippi Goddamn. Mississippi Goddamn, yeah. Um, were really instrumental during the, the civil rights movement. And yeah. she, I don't know. So she, and she battled, you know, like domestic violence, mental illness. Like there's just so many things that she went through in her life. Yeah. So, just her life story is is really compelling. I don't know about the documentary itself. I right. I did mm-hmm. like it. I didn't. Every time her ex husband was interviewed, right? I just kind of cringed because mm-hmm. I was just like, "Why are you even here?" Because it seemed like she, he was kind of talking ill of her. Yeah, and I mean, it was pretty well documented that he used to beat her up a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he, I don't know about the documentary, but I think I've read that he'll even admit that. Yeah. I mean, and it's just like, can we get someone else to talk about her? Right. Well, so, <laughs> and her daughter does talk about her. And yes. It's, no, there's other and, people. And uh, people that were in the band with her and um, some close friends of hers. They, they sure. do talk to them too. The, that's probably like the one negative. And I guess it, it does explain part of her life. That was her ex-husband. So I get it. 
But to me, I was just like, every time he came on, I was like, oh, really? Do we really have to hear from this guy? Yeah. Initially, in the documentary, I thought it was weird because they were, they were talking about him as um, what a great businessman he was for, a business manager for her. Sure. And it did take them a little bit of time to even address that he was an impatient wife beater. And that's what I know him as, is basically Ike Turner, you know, well, to Nina Simone. And, um, but it does, it does bring it up, but I, I know what you mean. Like yeah. he does get interviewed in there and he doesn't look like. And I don't know if it was an old interview that they played. It was in 2005 or six. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I don't think it was an interview they did for this documentary, no. but, um. The only interviews they did for this documentary was Nina Simone's daughter, um, Malcolm X's daughter who happened to be neighbors of theirs and, um, one other person. Cause I had to go back and read. This is a lot of this is archival footage, sure. and um, there's a lot of it that it's Nina Simone being interviewed back in the day by somebody else, and they're using those recordings right. to match that time chronologically. Um, what's fascinating about Nina Simone to me is she she grew up, you know, black in the South, uh, and she was so good at the piano that uh, you know basically a couple of white women heard her. And that's where her kind of career started. She went to Juilliard right. because of it, a classical pianist. Um, her goal, her whole life, was to be the first black classical pianist. Right. And um, she was kind of on her way, and then she hit a bump when she got turned down right after Juilliard because she was black. She, right. I think in the documentary she even admits she didn't know it was because she was black at the time. But uh, her family moved up to Philadelphia, and she – where she was, and, you know, being poor – Living there, she had to work, and the only work she couldn't find any work as a classical pianist. So she was working in a jazz club, and they they said the only way she could work there is if she sang as well. And she had never sang before until then. Right. And it's such a unique, um, a soulful voice. It's to me, it's like the definition of what soul music actually is because mm-hmm. you can feel it when she sings it. And um, that's when she met her husband. After she started taking off, her husband really launched her into the forefront. Right. And he probably was instrumental in her career. No, he was integral. Like he was the reason she became, went from just a great uh, jazz soul singer to arguably at the time the best. And um, that doesn't excuse the the beatings. But then, um, then the civil rights movement started and she, uh, you know, she kind of, turned to that, to the political aspect of it, to the detriment of her career. Um, well, and another thing, another kind of, I think she made it to Carnegie, Carnegie Hall, mm-hmm. and she was doing her concert there. Yeah. And um, one of the things she said in an interview that they put in the documentary was that she wished she would have been at Carnegie Hall playing classical piano. Right. She said, she, I wish I was playing Bach. Well, and she said that even later in her life. And so... Like, that was her one regret. Is like I don't she know. should have stuck with classical piano instead of yeah. ever doing jazz or soul because it made her um, too famous, right. I guess, to where she couldn't focus on what she always wanted to be. Right. And there's a tragedy there because well, and it's it kind of there's a parallel with Amy Winehouse, okay, because she wanted to do jazz music. Yeah, she didn't want to do the popular pop stuff, music. Yeah. Um, and the pop music's what launched her into the forefront. exactly right, and then. The, the paparazzi, especially the British press where she was living in London, was so invasive yeah. that it's kind of when she started spiraling down. I don't know. That's It's it's interesting. I just uh, – the documentary does talk about how, you know, when she's uh, doing Mississippi Goddamn and um, Strange Fruit and everything, um, how all of a sudden it was Aretha Franklin and everybody else is on the TV – doing their music. Right. And, she was too controversial. Right. She was too controversial and the bitterness that came with that because right. she wanted to be her, which was an outraged uh, black woman during this time. Um, sure. But they weren't kind of allowing her to be her. And then later in life, because she died uh, past 10 years, 2003, four, 2003 yeah. somewhere in there. Um, she obviously doesn't regret the civil rights stuff, but she's right. like, yeah, I just remember the interviews then was just like, if I could change anything, it would be never to start singing in the first place. Just stick with the piano. Right. And um, she was a manic depressive. And um, it's, uh, you know, having a wife-beating husband probably doesn't help. Um, but right. she gave it all up and moved to Africa. And was just like never coming to the back to the U.S. She was so enraged about, you know, what was going on here. And, um, and she also possibly had some tax issues. 
when she left her when she left her husband who handled all the business, she doesn't she didn't understand anything about business period. So not paying her taxes is something very easy to do when you've never paid anything. Yeah, you don't really know. Um, I don't fault her for that. I don't think she was dodging taxes when she left, but it was something that she just never addressed, and she also didn't care. Right. She ended up being borderline, very very close to being homeless um, because she was just stopped singing altogether, stopped playing. Uh, stopped caring about finances and didn't have anybody in her life that she trusted to do that. Right. And so that is a tragedy. And it's her daughter talking about, you know, these darker times when, you know, Simone would be uh, like a light switch, you know, angry and hitting her and everything. Yeah. I'm glad that anything that just kind of um, puts her on a pedestal, they usually shy away from the end of her life. And um, this documentary didn't do that. So I kind of, I really, shouldn't say enjoyed, but I appreciated that they actually showed her entire lifespan because it's a fascinating life. Right. Which everything she went through. And like I said, she, they lived next door to Malcolm X and his family. Right. And his daughter talks about growing up with their kids. And, um, you know, that March from Selma, she was there for that. Sure. And, uh, so she was, she was a, she wasn't just a singer. She was a part of that. And then was the documentary did a good job of is talking about how Mississippi goddamn was, wasn't played on the radio was none of those things, but it's, it was such a shocking song and it was, you know, kind of a rallying cry for a while there. I feel like it gets lost. And in, it's still powerful today. It is, but it's not, I mean, something that popular today, but well, it's, um, to know that that wasn't a song made, uh, in the eighties about stuff that was happening. Right. Then. It was actually made when it was happening and it was actually, um, helping things, you know, as far as that was, I, I need to watch Amy cause I, be fascinating to see somebody who kind of went through the same thing in a more modern day. So there's more video of it. Like right. you were saying. It, yeah. Amy was really good. Yeah. You, did you like Amy more than Nina? Uh, well, I mean, I liked, I did the documentary. Amy is still is with me. Like I okay. keep thinking about it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say one is better than the other. No, I mean, that's fair, but yeah. But it's, you have an Academy Award vote. You're giving it to the Amy? Yes. Okay. And I haven't seen Amy yet, so I can't give it to you. So Amy. of the three that you, well, no, the two you've seen, which one was Nina's, your favorite? The Nina Simone one I liked a yeah. bit more. Although I was very impressed with Cartel Land. I thought, I thought it was just going to be something about the drug cartels and I would like a, you know, a National Geographic special on their show or whatever. Sure. And it was definitely more than that. So it was done really well. Um, the other two, I don't. The way you gonna watch it about the war in the Ukraine? Um. Are you really excited that we're not talking documentaries after this? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks like it's gonna be very sad. I'm sure it will be. So I'm a little bit hesitant to watch it. Okay. Well, then watch Bloodline, and then we'll talk about that next week instead. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. 